The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention. When you were just talking to me Do you think that you could repeat the question And I listen more attentively There must have been something In all of that nothing That wasn't quite so easy to see I always forget Twitter, too. I always forget Twitter, too. I'm not a tweeter. I always forget My Twitter followers are really jumping too lately. Oh. I think I'm ready. I don't know how that happened. Wow, okay. Right? I was listening to Melvin. What about the Bapas? Right? What? I know, we got such a full show, though, huh? Okay. Oh, I don't mind just a little. It's driving me out of my mind. Oh, la, 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 la. Oh, oh, you spare me the riddle. All right. Papa, pause, then we got to start. Okay. Just for my Chrissy. Yay. Oh, we're getting so good at I that. I know, right? Might have to hire me to be a backup singer. Me too, Melvin. All right. All right. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop two guys smoke shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Got a very uh, busy show for you today. A lot going on. Uh, before we start, I want to do a couple of uh, shout-outs. Uh, want to uh, thank Bobby Sheehan at Sheehan's Towing Sheehan's service station. There's literally one person on the planet who's allowed to touch my car, and that's Bobby Sheen and the people who work for him. And um, I had a, a, my, my back window went down the other day. It was raining. And um, I have a, a couple of pillows in my car that I use. I had to stick the pillow in the back door when I parked at night <laughs> because it was, I wasn't going to bring it to a shop at like 2 in the morning. Yeah. So um, the next day I went into uh, Sheen's Towing and I pulled it in. And his guys came out, and in five minutes they had it fixed. And I'm like, "How much?" And he's like, "Don't worry about it, Aww. right?" And and anytime I have ever called Bobby for anything, he gives money for our scholarships when we run our charity bash, which we're going to be having a bash committee meeting next week. So those of you on the committee who've been bugging me, when are we having a meeting? It's next week. Um, looks like we are going to have a bash in March. Um, we're going to be looking for, uh, we're trying to get a date solidified. We're looking for the third Friday in March, but we don't know if we're going to be able to get that. Um, also, um, a Valley Patriot event. We do this every year uh, for Halloween. We go to Wally's in Hampton. I think it's in Hampton. Is it Seabrook? I think it's in, it's, I think it's in Hampton. Um, we go to Wally's for the Prospect Hill Halloween show. Ooh. And that's always a lot of fun because they let me come backstage and hang out with them. Oh, cool. And then I can come like out on stage with my camera and take pictures of them while they're playing. So if you look back at last year's photos, 
Some of those photos look like like when I was a kid, we used to get like magazines, like Rolling Stone and stuff. Yeah. And we'd see all those great like concert pictures. Like, wow, what a great picture that is. I've got pictures that are better than that of these guys playing. It's really awesome. And it's not because I'm a great photographer. It's because they gave me access. Um, so if you are a reader of the Valley Patriot, an advertiser, um, if you work for us, if you volunteer for us, if you help us with any of the things that we do, like the bash or TMF or anything else, you are welcome to come. It's going to be a Valley Patriot event, and I'm getting a hotel room that night because I ain't driving home because I don't hey. drink. But like one or two nights a year, I will drink, and that's one of the nights that I drink. I drink at the at the Prospect Hill oh. uh, Halloween uh, show. Last week, last year was phenomenal. The place was so packed it was ridiculous. Hmm. Um, was it last year or was it two years ago? Because last year we had COVID. Yeah. Couldn't do it last year because everybody's running around like Chicken Little. This guy's falling. Yeah. Gotta wear a mask, which like. we will be talking about today. Um, all, so what else do we have? So in Haverhill, let's start with Haverhill. So in Haverhill, they had their primary. They're not like Methuen. They actually care about the voters. Um, they actually had a primary, even though in a couple of races there was nobody to eliminate, which is good because if someone wants to run a write-in campaign, they can. Um, I'm always very disappointed when a, when a municipal election happens, almost always. I think the last time I wasn't disappointed was the last Methuen mayor's race election because it was a very high turnout. But um, I'm looking at the numbers in Haverhill. Jim Ferentini, 2,978 votes. There are 65,000 people in Haverhill. 65,000. And that's not counting illegals, right? Because they're not even counting the illegals. So it's probably a lot more than that. But let's just stick to the actual, like, the number that, that, that the census has settled on, even though we know it's not right. 2,978 votes for the current mayor out of 65,000 people. He came in first. That was the, that was the person who got the most votes was the mayor uh, of Haverhill. And then Colin LePage, who jumped in last minute, and I think he just jumped in because they didn't want Guy Cooper to win. And I think there was a little deal made there, if you ask me. Um, he got 1,345 votes, and then Guy Cooper with 931. I'm pretty sure, had Colin LePage not jumped into the race, everyone who voted for Colin LePage, they didn't vote for Jim Ferentini. He's the guy who was the current mayor. So obviously they don't want the current mayor. They want someone else. And had Colin LePage not played whatever game he played to jump in this race, um, you, if you add Cooper's numbers, 931, and LePage's numbers, 1345, they're almost even. It's like 20, it would be 2,900 to 2,200, right? And so that's about, it's 12% of the registered voters. The total vote count was 5,254. We are losing our democracy at the local level. If you want to know why America is devolving, yes, it's lack of leadership in D.C. We did a whole show on that last week. But at the root of it all, what's really causing America to decay what is causing the fall of America that we're witnessing right now is at the local level, no one gives a shit. At the local level, people just don't pay attention to who their school committee is, who their city council is. I mean, think about Methuen. With all the problems that the Methuen school system had two years ago, whether it was the Judy Scandal scandal, the four million missing dollars, underperforming schools... Um, people coming to the Methuen schools that don't live in Methuen, with all the problems in the Methuen schools, and there are many more that I didn't list. It was an uncontested race. You had like three, you had, you had like five people running for six jobs, and then you had like two or three writing candidates. And one of the people who won was a, was a writing candidate, it was Luan Santos, who won on a writing campaign. And, and I look at like, 
Methuen has, if I'm remembering it right, I think like 54,000 people in Methuen. Again, if you don't count illegals, that's pathetic. People at the local level just don't care anymore. They don't care about their neighborhoods, which is why when you drive through most communities, their neighborhoods look like shit. They're garbage everywhere. It looks horrible. It's one of the reasons why crime is the way that it is, because your city council and your mayor are in charge of your police department and deployment of police officers and the number of police officers that you have. And every year it gets worse and worse. Like, it's not like it's just always been this way. I'm, I remember growing up, even when I was in my, in my early adulthood, when I ran for city council back in, like, 1987, right? You had, like, in Lawrence, you had, like, 90,000 people lived in Lawrence at the time, or 80,000 people lived in Lawrence at the time. And you had forty to 50,000 people show up for an election. It was, and we thought that was low back then. And now we're looking at, 12%, 8%. So, I mean, it's 12% of the registered voters, but if you factor in 64,000 people living in Methuen, I'm sorry, in Haverhill, 8, 8% of the city bothered to vote in a, in a municipal local election, in a primary. And by the way, the primaries is really where most of the action is. Because if you can knock somebody out, the, Democrats specifically, like someday I'll have Diana Dezaglia back on the show and she'll certainly tell you this. Democrats specifically, but Republicans too, in state elections, they don't worry about getting elected. They worry about primaries. They don't, they don't ever worry about it. So I, I said to a Democrat friend of mine who represents Lawrence one day, why did you vote the way you voted? I know you don't believe that. I've known you my whole life. I know you don't, I'm not even going to mention what the issue is. Actually, it was, it was transgender bathrooms. And I said, I know for a fact that you don't believe in transgender bathrooms and all this transgen- transgender bullshit. Why did you vote yes on that? And the answer was, if I don't. If I don't vote for that, then the left of my party is going to primary me. And if you remember how Diana DiZaglio won her state rep election, she beat Dave Teresi, a 14-year incumbent, in a primary. She never would have beat him in a final if she ran as an independent or or a a, a Republican. But she ran as a Democrat in a primary, and she went door-to-door, and she beat a 14-year incumbent. Most elected officials understand that the only way for the most part, they can lose power is in a primary, which I would venture to say is the reason why Methuen cancels their primaries, because it's the Incumbent Protection Act. They want to make sure. They want to make as, as, it put as many roadblocks as they can to them losing power. And it's not the people who are elected now. It was the people who enacted this back, I don't know, eight, ten years ago when they changed their charter. But it's always the same groups of people kind of supporting and and um, putting up candidates anyway. It's always the same two or three power groups in any community that kind of controls you know, who they recruit to run, who the, who the money people support. And um, it, it's, I, I know I've gone on a rant a number of times about Methuen. They've got to get their act together in Methuen. You guys have to do it. Um, you've had two years. I made this, this was a, a campaign issue two years ago during all the debates. Not one person's made it an issue in the last two years. I get it, COVID and emergencies and funding and all of that stuff. But, you know, now's the time to start stepping up. And I'm going to put it back on DJ Borgai because he's one of the new guys. Um, you know, I, I, I expect guys like DJ to pick up the mantle on this and do something about it and say, look, we've got to change our charter. We have to have open primaries. I don't care if there's nobody on the ballot. That's even better because then the person who gets the most, the two people who get the most write-ins will go on to the final and the insiders have less of a chance of controlling what that, who those people are. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, elections in Lawrence. 
Lawrence didn't have their primary this week. They're having their primary next week. And I have to tell you, uh, my, my, my sources on the ground in Lawrence, because I spend more time in Lawrence than I do in my office, tell me I'm totally wrong about this whole election scenario. Um, I said last week and the week before that it's anybody's game, that all four of these candidates have a shot, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Willie Lantigua came in first or Willie Lantigua came in last, because that's how close it is. My friends on the ground in Lawrence tell me I'm, I'm totally off on this. And, they're, and regardless of who they're backing, they're all kind of saying the same thing. My prediction was Vilma Laura, most likely, Vilma Laura, Martinez, Dominguez, and how many other names she has, um, is going to come in first because she raised the most money. She's got Dan Rivera's support. She's got his, his political machine behind her. And that usually spells a win in a primary. Um, and that Brian DePena is most likely fighting for second place with Kendrys Vasquez. The people that I'm talking to are saying, no way, Kendrys Vasquez is going to walk away with this primary. And I don't know how that could be possible. But they live it. They're in Lawrence, even though I'm in Lawrence every day, but they live it. They live in Lawrence. And they talk to people every single day uh, that I don't talk to. They talk to their neighbors who are voters. They talk to the cops and the firefighters and the EMTs. And even though I kind of talk to them, usually I'm talking to them about other things. I'm not talking about election stuff. So uh, the conventional wisdom on Lawrence is Kendris Vasquez is going to walk away with this on Tuesday. And it's going to be Brian in second place. And quite frankly, I wasn't going to endorse anybody in this race because I, I wanted them all to come on and do a debate. I wanted them all to come on the show. I wanted them all to buy ads in the paper. And only one of them has done all of that. And that's Brian DePena. And he's my friend. And for those of you in Methuen who don't understand friendship in politics, um, you know, pay attention. Brian DePena has been my friend for a long time. I'm not going to say he's as good a friend as Marcos Devers who's like one of my very best friends in the world. And let me tell you why, like real quickly, let's get off the off-ramp for a second. And it's because Marcos Devers understands what friendship means. And he has never once walked away from me, no matter how much crap he got for being my friend, for coming on my radio show, for being in my paper, for buying ads. Um, he doesn't turn on his friends. He's a very loyal person, something in Methuen politics. Nobody, I don't think anybody at all, I don't think there's even one, Maybe one. There's always an exception, I guess, uh, in Methuen politics. Um, and Brian's been, Brian's been a friend. He donates money for our scholarships every year and then says, I don't want to be thanked. I don't want to see my name in the paper. So we don't. We don't put his name in the paper. We don't thank him at the microphone because he asks us not to. Um, whenever TMF is short food, I can call Brian DePena at 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night and say, the, one of the people that was supposed to show up with food didn't. And he will send over 20 pizzas from whatever the local pizza place is. And sometimes he brings it himself. And then says, I don't want to see this on Facebook. Um, Brian DePena, if he were to win the Lawrence mayor's race, I think he would be an exceptional mayor. The only complaint that I hear from, I hear from uh, people about Brian, I've never once heard anybody say they don't like him. Even people that are campaigning for other people say, I really like Brian. He's a nice guy. He's a good guy. And his heart's in the right place. Um, I've never heard any politician running against him attack him personally because there really isn't much to attack. And I've never heard anybody say that he's not up for the job, right? The people who are campaigning against Brian are just saying that their candidate's better and that's their opinion and that's fine. I like Brian DePena as a human being and I, and I think he'd be a great mayor and I'm going to support Brian DePena for mayor. I'm going to support him. He has supported me. He has supported the city. He has supported our charity events. He's not one of those people that shows up at election time to get his name in the paper or get a, a post on Facebook and then disappears for the next two years until it's another election time. 
I don't want to mention Barry Feingold, but we know a lot of politicians in the Lawrence area that do that. Like, you literally don't hear from them. Every time I run into Barry Feingold, you know what I know for sure? It's an election. It, we're a month out of an election when I see Barry. Uh, or, or it's like some big thing like the Pichado funeral this week. I think he was there. But, of course, he was there. All the politicians were there. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, we were waiting on Kelly Burchill to zoom in. We're going to talk a little bit about the um, Johanny Pichado funeral in Lawrence. Um, I, I've got, I, first of all, I, I didn't go. And even though I'm like the veteran guy, right? We have our, the Valley Patriots on the streets and our, he, and our headline on the front page, local vets get purple hearts. Two of our very good friends, uh, Donnie Jarvis and um, Dan Contenor, both got a purple heart 18 years after they did what they did in Iraq and Afghanistan. They should have got it back then, but they didn't. And I'm kind of like the veteran guy. It's kind of like what I do. R- wrote a book about veterans, local veterans to honor them. Um, I, I, I had a number of people call me and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're really the veteran guy. We didn't see you there. I sent Rich Russell, who's a Vietnam veteran who works for us, and he went and he took pictures and videos for us. I, had a very, I have a very uh, difficult – I don't like to talk about personal stuff on the show, but since I got so many calls on it, I have a very difficult time going to police and veteran funerals. In fact, I really have a hard time with funerals to begin with. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way. But after what happened with my dad, it's it's really very, very hard for me to go to a military. Because once I see the flag on the casket, I lose it. And and it's not like I just lose it for a few minutes. It's like I'm, I'm my whole day is off. Like my, I'm completely off kilter for the next couple of days. And it was hard enough watching the video feeds from Channel 7 and New England Cable News and all the live feeds on uh, Facebook. Uh, I do want to give my heartfelt condolences to the family of Johanny Pichado and uh, her friends and all the kids that graduated from with her at Lawrence High School. I think, and, I, I, and I'm pretty sure I'm right about this because I went through all of our photos, but I think she came to our bash. I think we gave one of her brothers a scholarship. Um, one of the kids that got a scholarship, his last name was Pichado. So I went back and I started looking at the pictures, the group pictures we took. And I'm pretty sure um, that, she was, that she was there. But either way, this is a young girl from Lawrence, Massachusetts, living in a horrible neighborhood um, with not a lot going for it. And she decided with, with all of the things going on in her life, and all the, thing, all the opportunities that she had graduating from Lawrence High School, she was a great student, I'm, I'm told by her teachers. Um, she could have done a lot of things with her life. And instead, she decided to serve this country, put on a uniform, and go put herself in harm's way for a war that really didn't need to even happen. And she lost her life, and she was, she was the last, if not one of the last, American servicemen, American service women, to lose their life in the war in Afghanistan. And I put all of it on the Biden administration because of the, the botched way they handled the withdrawal. It was just, it, 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 a five-year-old could have figured out a better plan on how to do that um, and, do it, and do it better. We have some pictures, and I want to pull them up. I was going to do this with Kelly on the line, but she's not calling in. Um, we have some pictures of, and I just kind of want to run some of them, because 
it was really nice. I mean, my personal issues aside, I went through all the videos. I went through all the photos, as difficult as it was. And I didn't even know her. Um, I may have met her once, as we said, but I didn't really know her. Um, but I have to tell you, Lawrence, Lawrence is one classy community. You can say what you want about Lawrence. And last week was the three-year anniversary of Columbia Gas. And I went back and I read what, what uh, the column that I wrote about Columbia Gas Disaster after it was done about how, how people were helping each other even though they didn't know each other and, and, and all the random acts of kindness that went on. The entire city of Lawrence was basically shut down for three days. There was like I tried to get from South Lawrence up to Sheehan's Towing to get my window fixed, and it took me well over an hour to get from the south side of Lawrence to the north side of Lawrence. And there were, there were motorcycles and veterans and uh, police officers and firefighters from all over the country. I talked to a, a Vietnam veteran from Kentucky who also happens to be a Gold Star father. Uh, was chatting with him while I was, <laughs> while I was stuck in traffic. Um, rolled down his window. We started chatting. We were sitting there for like twenty minutes anyway. And he had come into the city for the for the funeral. And I and you know there was almost like there was no issues. There were no crime. Nobody got robbed. Nobody got shot. And that shouldn't sound surprising. But, you know, given what's going on in Lawrence on a regular basis, and by the way, you guys don't know a lot of what's going on in Lawrence on a regular basis because they encrypted their police scanner. It's an issue we're hopefully we're going to be able to deal with when the new mayor comes in. Um, but Lawrence, Lawrence has had a lot of heartbreak. Lawrence has had a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of horrible things going on for the people in Lawrence. And it, it's almost like the city's kind of got PTSD at this point. I mean, between the Columbia gas disasters and COVID, and losing, um, uh, and I'm gonna, I can't remember, uh, I think it's Ramirez, I'll look it up, uh, the, 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 Pierre Raymond, I'm sorry, Pierre Raymond, who lost his life, and I think he was one of the first to lose his life in Afghanistan, I, so think about that, Lawrence, Lawrence lost one of the first in Afghanistan, and lost one of the last in Afghanistan, uh, Lawrence has had, Lawrence has had it rough, and, the people of Lawrence, you know, say what you want about what goes on in the city on a regular basis, and there's all, a lot of stuff going on. But when bad things happen, when the Columbia gas thing happened, when COVID happened, when this happened, people came together. People came together and helped each other. People came together and looked out for each other. And you don't see that in a lot of communities anymore on a regular basis, never mind when something bad happens. And so really, I want to give a... A lot of kudos to the people of Lawrence. The people of Lawrence, again, shootings, fires, stolen cars, domestic assaults, all the things we hear in the news, and I know because I'm usually the guy writing those stories because that's what the news is, but at the heart of all of that, there is a population in Lawrence, a vast majority of people in Lawrence, who are not killers, they're not stealing cars, they're not breaking into homes, they're not beating their girlfriends, they're good, decent, honest people who, who want to help their neighbors. And when something bad happens, we'll go next door and knock on someone's door and say, hey, can I help? And I think one of the things that we can glean from the last three days of this Pichado uh, funeral is that we got to see that again. We got to see again after we started in Columbia Gas and we started again in COVID. We got to see again people in Lawrence coming out to give their hearts to the Pichado family. Uh, I saw several people stopping and thanking some of the veterans that were holding signs 
Lawrence kids walking across the bridge going over saying, hey, thank you for your service. And these are not the stories that you usually hear in the news. Now, I'm partially responsible for that. The Eagle Tribune's partially responsible for that because we tend to gravitate toward what's negative, right? We, a shooting happens, we want to cover it. Someone does something nice, it generally doesn't make the front page. This should make the front page. Not just the funeral, but the attitude and the hearts of the people of Lawrence. And um, you've got an election coming up next week. I hope that carries out. I hope, I hope the people that have those good feelings about their own city come out no matter who you vote for and come out participate in your Democrat process as well. And, and ask your neighbors if they need a ride to the polls. Because um, when I drive through Lawrence and I see that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm, it always makes me feel good. I was born and raised in Lawrence. I moved out about 15 years ago, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but like I said, I'm in Lawrence every day. But usually I'm in Lawrence because I'm looking at the bad stuff. I'm, I'm at a shooting. I'm at a fire. I'm in a car accident where some kid died. Um, kudos to the city of Lawrence, seriously. Um, one thing that did bother me, and I don't, I, didn't, I don't want it to overshadow all the other stuff, but one thing that bothered me, and it always bothers me whenever something like this happens, is the goddamn politicians. You know, and I only know because I was the family, when my father was murdered, I was the family sitting there at the, at the funeral when politicians had to get up and grandstand. And it pissed me off, and it hurt me, and it hurt my family. And I watched it happen again yesterday, at the Veterans Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. Congress people, look, I love Lori Jahan, nice lady. Um, I get along extremely well with a lot of the other uh, politicians. But, you know, when something like this happens, would it be too much to ask our politicians, especially the mayor, especially the governor, my friend Charlie Baker, would it be too much to ask you guys just for once to step back and not take a microphone? Would it be too much to ask that you give your time at the microphone to a kid that graduated in ROTC with, with Jahani Pashado? Would that be too much, really, like just once when something like this happens, that you not glom for the cameras, that you not try and say something pithy or insightful to get your name in the paper the next day and be quoted? You know, like... I get it. You're a politician and you need to be at these things because then everybody will say, well, how come he wasn't there? Right? I get that. But you don't need to be at the microphone. I saw the politicians that spoke. And I love Charlie Baker to death and, and, I, and I like a lot of these people personally. But I've got to tell you, nobody, and I mean nobody, not the family, not the friends, not the coworkers, not the fellow veterans of Johanny Pichado wanted to hear one politician and what they had to say. Not one. The only people who want to hear what the politicians have to say are the other politicians. And that's it. And it would just be really nice, having been the guy sitting there as the family member, watching politicians get up and speak. You know, at one point, like, I'm at my dad, because this is one of the reasons I don't go to these funerals, because it brings me back, right? Like it was yesterday. I remember a certain politician whose name I won't mention getting up and speaking, when my father got killed and I sat there thinking my father hated that fucking guy. If my father knew that guy was up there speaking on his behalf, he'd be rolling over in his grave because you can't say that, right? You don't want to seem ungrateful. You don't, you're the family. There's a certain decorum. There's a certain protocol. So I'm sure the family wasn't going to say anything. But I bet you if you asked the family of Jahani Pashado what they thought of the governor 
and the mayor and a congressman taking the microphone at their wake, at their funeral, at the funeral of their, their, their family member, I'd almost guarantee you 100% that they would rather have people who knew her and knew her well get up and talk about what kind of a person she was rather than politicians getting up who didn't know her talking about what kind of a person she was. Because they're gonna say, they say the same thing at every funeral, right? Whether it's a cop, a firefighter, thank you, sir. Whether it's a cop, a firefighter, or a member of, the, of our armed services, they all say the same thing. They were brave. They, they, sat, they sacrificed their life for the country. It's almost like a pre-written speech, and nobody needs it. I don't want to hear it. The families don't want to hear it. Certainly the public doesn't want to hear it. And that's my only problem with what happened. And, and I want to be a gloomy Gus. I think, I think it was a tremendous, tremendous show of support. Veterans from all over the country coming to the city of Lawrence. It was fantastic. And there were some, you know, there were some issues with some veterans that couldn't get in because they were part of the motorcycle group. And I was hoping Kelly would uh, zoom in to talk about that. But um, for the most part, you know, you've got a police chief in Lawrence whose son is a Marine right now. And Jay Cirillo, who I think was named in one of Debo's videos, um, this is a guy that, like, sponsors the veteran road race and runs, like, a 5K road race every year to help out veterans. I don't think, and even, like, and I hate to say anything good about Kendrys Vasquez these days, but I, I know Kendrys got blamed for some of it, and, and I made some phone calls. And as much as I don't like Kendrys Vasquez, I've got to defend the kid. He had nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with where anybody was stationed or where anybody was cordoned or who was allowed in or who wasn't allowed in. 11 minutes? Is that what you... Oh, she's here. Okay. She is here. Let's pull pull Kelly up because it was good timing, I guess. Maybe she was watching live. From New England Veterans Liberty House, Kelly Birchall is on the line. And um, I, I, I... Let's let her... Let's let her... Before you talk about the other stuff, can you... Give us a couple of minutes about how great yesterday was and how great the last couple of days was. It's been amazing. Um, let me just refresh that. Tom, it's Kelly from International Veterans Care Services. Oh, I Googled it and it told me Liberty House. Okay. That was JT's um, organization. I see. So now I have my own, which okay. is International Veterans Care Services. Fair um, enough. I'll start off with saying beautiful day. Um, we had an enormous amount of people come out and show love and respect for the city of Lawrence, as well as Sergeant Jelani Rosario Pachardo and her family. You're not, not going to say it like um, you're not going to say it like Debo Pachardo. Like I, I think I think he <laughs> thinks he's Spanish now. Well, uh, that's the Spanish accent with Debo. I don't have that. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm Italian and Irish. Debo's not Spanish. Accent. Who's he kidding? Yes, he is. He's half Puerto Rican, half black. Is he? All right, yes. we'll, we'll give him half credit. How's that? <laughs> so. I, I just wanted to go over with you. Um, a lot of people were involved. I had a meeting today with some people and we kind of got down to the bottom of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. It was lack of communication and nothing was set up to expect that many people that came. Right. So I think that's where somebody dropped the ball. The, the pointing fingers in the blame game, you know, we're not going to continue doing that. What we're going to do is what happened Tuesday, we want never to happen again. So this time, I hope, you know, I hope it never happens again. But going forward, I think there should be a committee. That's what I I suggested today. God forbid if this does happen again, maybe we can have a committee that can work together to Mm -hmm. make sure what happened to our veterans that were on the bridge 
will never happen again. So just give us a, give us a, tell people at home what happened uh, on the bridge. So we'll start by the, let me start by the, the beginning of the day. What happened, um, we all were at the stadium. As bikers or out-of-town uh, veterans came to the stadium, they were asked to go to the Chateau and meet at the Chateau. When we got to the Chateau, there was two city workers and a veterans officer that were there and gave instructions to half the people would go to the bridge, half the other people would go to Manchester Street. So that's what we set up. We set up Manchester Street and we set up the bridge. Deeble took a certain part with one of the city workers to Manchester Street. I took not, I wouldn't say elderly because some of them were mid-aged people, but we had said if you need bathrooms or, you know, anything, we had the clatter that was open for the bathrooms, beverages, and meals. Thank you, Brian, for that also. Um, as we all stood there for about two hours, the procession went through. And as soon as the procession went through, the outer town police officers blocked the veterans on the bridge. And what I mean by blocked is the little entrance that would go to um, Pemberton, not Pemberton Park, the old unemployment parking lot right there off of the central bridge yes. was blocked. And then they blocked all intersections by the clatter and they were not letting anybody fall into procession or go anywhere towards that end of the bridge. When I had walked over there with a 79 year old veteran, because he told me he was denied to go that way. So I just wanted to go find out what was happening. And the police officer that was standing there, which was not a Lawrence police officer, said to me, he was told that no veteran, no biker on the bridge was allowed to follow procession. They were told to go home or be arrested. So they looked at me and said, you know, I've never been disrespected like I am disrespected here in Lawrence. I feel more disrespected, disrespected here today than I was coming home from Vietnam and being spit on. Wow. That broke my heart because here we are, our hard work, try to make sure everything was beautiful and done correctly. I mean, if you think about it, if we had over 8,000 motorcycles in the city of Lawrence, I think that it was very well contained and very well organized that there was no trouble and no chaos. Right. Um. The plan was at the Chateau, and we have it on video, that everybody was to allow the procession to go through with the news and the newspapers and the cameras. Once that was done, they can follow into place, go to the Manchester um, procession, the line, and they were to park in the parking lot or into the flea market parking lot with the fruteria and walk up to the cemetery. We had this all planned out. Everything was beautifully done. 1230, we had the meeting. Everything was set. What happened from there? Nobody wants to say who or what um, and who made that decision. But our own opinions are, you know, as a city and as everybody was together, this should have been well organized before. And if somebody wanted to close down the bridge, a simple phone call could have been made. Right. But instead, we had outside veterans on motorcycles that drove from all over. We had Ohio, West Virginia, Texas, New York, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina. They were told to go home or be arrested. And I just, I don't, I, I'm, I'm speechless. Yep. I, I, I don't understand the threatening to arrest a veteran. I don't get that part. Um, right. And I can't understand a police officer that would do that. Shame on that police Correct. officer that did that. Um, but I did talk to some people with the city of Lawrence who said this morning that th that there were two people in the Kendrick administration who were coordinating this, and they told the police 
chief and the police chief told the people that were organizing it that if you want to be on the bridge, you can be on the bridge. But if you're on the bridge, you're not going to be allowed into the procession. And that at no time was there ever going to be the bikes in the procession because it would have just shut the entire city down. Like you said, there's 8,000 8, motorcycles in the city. And it was, That's not and by the That's way, it, it was quite a sight to see. I mean, I, I, I watched some of it, and it was pretty amazing to it see. It was beautiful. It, I mean, every street, every single street was lined with either veterans or just citizens with flags and signs that said thank you or, or whatever. It, it was pretty amazing. But going forward, though, I think I like your idea about having a committee because God forbid a firefighter dies in Lawrence tomorrow, we're going to have to do this again, exactly. right? Exactly. And and it's and it's exactly. and it's not beyond the realm of possibility that that could happen. God forbid. And right. there should be like a committee, an ad hoc committee that gets together once or twice a year, and talks about the logistics of how they would handle such a thing, because big things do happen in Lawrence. I mean, Correct. Pierre Raymond and now Jahani Pichado, my dad, uh, a, a number of a number of other uh, police officers, firefighters that have either you know, died in the line of duty or died tragically. And I think it, it would be a good thing for the city of Lawrence, the city councilors or the mayor or somebody to form a, an ad hoc committee so that, you know, this is something that there won't be glitches um, when it comes down. I talked to a bunch of police officers this morning as they said, as far as they were concerned, they thought that the whole thing went off without a hitch. Um, because I, nobody really knows what happened at the bridge. Right. And from my meeting today with some police officers and city officials, what I was told is when they realized how many bikes were there, they decided to change plans and whoever was on the bridge was not allowed to go. But to be honest with you, Tom, if that was said to us from the beginning, we would have never lined the bridge with that many veterans. Right. Yeah. Somebody, somebody should have told you guys that from the beginning. Cause when I looked at the pictures of the stands at, Mm -hmm. at the stadium, I was a little unhappy at all the empty seats and I couldn't figure out why with all of those people. I mean, the whole city was literally shut down. I couldn't figure out why you didn't have the stands on both sides. The opposite side stands were completely empty. The, the, the stadium side was about maybe half full, maybe, maybe a little bit more than half full, but I expected to see an entire full stadium with all of those people. And And then we found out later on that a lot of them weren't allowed in. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So do you agree with me? We have to go because we got two minutes left. But do you agree with me? I don't know if you saw the earlier part of the show. Yeah, I was watching. I was trying to get in. I'm sorry. That's okay. For some reason. Do do you agree that when these things happen, politicians of every stripe at every level, they need to be there, but they also need to step back. They shouldn't be 100%. at the microphone. They should not be at the microphone. You agree with that. Okay. So I'm not 100%. So I'm not. Uh, Tom, before you go, I will say that um, check your inbox at a later point in time. I did in, inbox you exactly the plans. What the plan was that was told to the bikers that um, were before they left the chateau. And also very important to know is that every one of those bikers that participated and came to uh, pay their respects to their fallen sister by following the directions that I sent to you in your personal inbox, Tom, they were not only not allowed to attend the stadium they services, said- but they were also then not allowed to attend the cemetery services. So shame on everybody involved for me, as far as I'm concerned, not doing anything is just as guilty as the guy who made that call. And we know who made that call. 
because I sent you the video that was recorded live. All right. Excellent. So, listen, why don't you give a free plug, Kelly, to your uh, organization? And if you want to help veterans in Lawrence, how, how they can contact you. So you can reach me. It's International Veterans Care Services. The number you can reach me at is 978-609-7239. And we also have a website. It's it's IVCS24.org. Um, we're open eight to four, Monday through Friday. If anybody needs assistance, my cell phone is on 24 hours a day. And we also help any veteran or veteran family in the Merrimack Valley area. All right. Thank you very much, Kelly Burchell and De- Debo Brown. Somehow snuck in under my show, but that's all right, I guess. Um, you, uh, yeah, I hate to talk about anything negative when something like this happens, right? Because it really needs to be about Johanny Pichardo. Or as Debo says, Johanny Rosario Pichardo. Um, and it should be, but I also think that sometimes um, we need to call out the politicians. They need to step back. And if there are any glitches, if there are, you know, people that aren't allowed in for whatever reason, I think those things just need to be addressed for next time. That's all. Um, I, I, I want to reiterate one more time as we're ending the show um, how incredibly moving it was and how incredibly fitting it was for a young girl from Lawrence who went through Lawrence High School. I think she, I'm almost positive she was in the ROTC program and, uh, and went off to Afghanistan and was one of the last people to lose their lives in, in a needless war. But she didn't die for nothing. She died because she cared about our country. She died because she was willing to put on a uniform and go risk her life for our country. And for that, we are eternally grateful. I want to thank our sponsors. By the way, JG's. I mean, I'm drinking my uh, strawberry frap today. I stopped at JG's on my way up. I want to say hi to the Jafrida brothers, especially Robert. I'd never met Robert. And he looked so much like his brother, Rich. I poked my head in the window and said, hey, he works. Because he was like working on one of the machines. And he turned around and I realized it wasn't Rich. And I went, oh, I guess Rich really doesn't work. Um, but Robert does work. He was there today. So I want to say hi to them. Uh, all, my, all my buddies over at uh, JG's, they're really incredible people. They do a lot for the community. Um, and, and, the, and the ice cream there was really good, too. It was kind of inexpensive. I thought I was going to be spending a lot more money than I did. Uh, who else do we have? McLennan Real Estate, Century 21. We want to thank them. AFC Urgent Care, Marseille and Sun Construction, EIS, Gun Training and Investigation Services, Morelli's Deli, going to get my tortellini right after the show. Yum, yum. Uh, Tomo and Happy Crab. We were at Happy Crab Thursday night. Had the, had the lobster tails. They were great. Ooh, uh, Clear Path for Veterans New England. Pleasant Valley Landscaping, our buddy Dave Id Consoli. David. And the Great Lawrence Technical School. We will see you next week with a surprise guest Ooh. on the Paying Attention Podcast. Thank you, Chrissy. Dave, welcome. Dave Garofalo, the Grand Poobah here at uh, Studio 21. Yeah. And, of course, the United Podcast Network for not canceling my show. Never. Never got to the masks. Uh-oh. We didn't get to the masks today. Misleading Methuen title. is mandating masks if you walk into a city building. Unbelievable. We will talk about that next week. Sounds like Melvin Taylor says we got to go home. So go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.